Here's what's coming up on today's show. You may have heard of Roth IRAs, but the benefits of Roth accounts are often underappreciated. Join in today as Mark and I talk about five reasons that you might want to consider Roth conversions. It's easy to get lost on the way to retirement. Things like taxes, improper planning, and excessive market risk can all lead you astray from your goal of a successful and happy retirement. That's where Liz Whittaberry comes in. She's a holistic financial advisor and the founder of Best Path Advisors, and she can help guide you to a better financial path. This is Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry. Welcome into the podcast, folks, as we talk about Roth conversions this week on the show. As Liz mentioned, five reasons to do a Roth conversion. We're actually going to break this up into two podcasts where we're going to spend a little time this week on reasons to do a Roth conversion. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll do another one on reasons to maybe not consider doing a Roth conversion. So we want to give both sides of the coin, if you will. And as always, if you've got questions or concerns, make sure you're checking with a qualified professional uh, like Liz before you take any action. And you can find her online at bestpathadvisors.com. She is the founder and financial advisor at Best Path Advisors. So make sure you check her out online. And of course, you can always subscribe to the podcast, Retire on Your Best Path. So Liz, thanks for having me in to chat with you about this. I always like talking with you about these different topics, even though we've just gotten started. I learn a little bit each time. So I'm looking forward to going through these five reasons to consider doing a Roth conversion. How are you? I am good. How are you, Mark? Doing pretty good. Looking forward to today's chat. Like I mentioned, uh, there's so much going on, so much conversation really around Roth conversions, maybe what, last 18 months, 24 months, something like that, right? Because of uh, taxes typically being the conversation piece that most of us hear, we hear things like, well, taxes are on sale, so we should take advantage of it now. So that's actually our first reason to dive into. Can you break down a few things for us to think about and consider when we're talking about this as uh, one of the big reasons to do it? Yeah, I think that we are beginning as a nation to realize that taxes have only one way to go, and that's up. (laughs) Right. They're going to go up in the future, and that's there's a lot of reasons for that. We've got a lot of government debt, uh, Social Security and Medicare are underfunded. There's there's a lot of reasons that our taxes need to be higher than they are just looking at the the budget for the nation, but taxes are historically at a low. They're at some of the lowest that they've ever been. And we're right now in a period where uh, because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, taxes are even lower than they were. They were already at a pretty good low, but they're, they've been lowered right. under this Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. But that will automatically expire at the end of 2025. So in 2026, tax rates are going to go up anywhere from 2 to 4% for most brackets. So the people that I work with, they're going to see uh, that they're going to pay another 3 or 4% in taxes on the same dollars that are coming out mm-hmm. of of an IRA. And that's if they do nothing. Now we still they still could uh, make changes could, between, yeah. Yeah, they could raise rates further. The Congressional Budget Office is recommending that they do raise tax brackets fairly significantly just to bring the budget into balance. Uh, and there have been quite a few proposals in Congress that haven't yet passed. But if we look at that, we can see that the intention is to raise taxes, at least for uh, certain people uh, within the nation. But, you know, just thinking about if they don't, if it's just the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, if that's what we have and, and 
anybody that has an IRA today mm -hmm. and is at a place in their life where they could do some conversions may find themselves paying less on that money that gets converted than they would pay if they left it in the IRA and waited and took it out years down the road right. at those higher tax rates. And so it's a matter of if I can pay less in tax today, then I can let that balance grow tax-free for the future, I'm actually ahead. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, most of us do tend to think about looking for things on sale, right? In the right. in the world of uh, whatever you're shopping for, you know, on sale is usually a good thing. And so, why wouldn't you consider that if taxes are quote unquote on sale? There's there's a good chance. There's a lot of talk that we may never, uh, or at least in our lifetime, get back down to the rates that we're in. Now, that's could be hyperbole because people always like to talk about stuff, but they are definitely at historic lows. So, taxes going up one reason for sure. One of the five. Um, RMDs, that's another reason. Now, they did make a change. They did push these back a little bit from the old half number, which I'm going to have you kind of break that down for us. Uh, but that also kind of flows to taxes, too. So kind of talk to me about the, the side of the RMDs being a reason to consider it. Yeah. Once people are now 72, and it did used to be 70 and a half, but at age 72, you have to take money out of your tax-deferred accounts, your IRAs, your 401ks, you can't leave it there forever. At some point in time, the IRS wants you to begin to pay taxes on that mm -hmm. money that has been deferred. They've waited long enough, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in, in their mind, that's, that's the point in time, begin paying some taxes. It might actually get pushed to age 75. And I think there's some, you know, some trade-offs in that. They're pushing the RMD age out, but then they're squishing up what heirs have to pay. Uh -huh, so there's, right. okay. they're making a trade-off there, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, but whether it's 72 or 75, at some point in time, you have to start taking this money out. Right. And if you leave the money in the traditional IRA and you let that continue to grow to that point in time, you're forced to take this required minimum distribution out. A lot of people don't realize how big a number that actually has become, how much they're going to be forced to take out, whether they want it or not, whether they need it or not. And they don't think through how that's going to stack on top of their other income and impact all of the other taxes that flow through their tax return. Yeah, because they definitely so, can do that. Yeah. How, yeah. how do they calculate this, by the way? So you're talking about that number being bigger than what they expect. There's a, like a life expectancy table, something like that? There is, uh, which has actually been improved. Uh, they've lengthened that life expectancy table. But you basically take your year-end IRA balance or 401k balance as of the the prior year mm -hmm. in your current age, look up the life expectancy number on the table. Uh, let's say just, let's just say that that's around 25. Uh, the number is 25 even. It's not, it's not ever an even number, but <laughs> right, just for right. the sake of simplicity, sure. if you, if you had a million dollars in an IRA and it was 25, you would divide the million by the 25 uh, and you would get your your number that you had okay. to take we, out. We often hear things like, we'll hear advisors say, well, it's it's around 3 or 4%. So they, it is. They just kind the of round it for us, right? Now, and, and this is technically, this the onus is on us as the taxpayer to get this done. But many, um, many of the companies that you might use, they typically provide this for you. Is that correct or no? They do calculate it and provide it as a service. They're mm -hmm. not required to if it's an IRA, but they do calculate it and provide it as gotcha. a service to 
to let you know what your RMD amount would be. Which is good because, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are thinking, well, God, I got to look at a table and figure this out. So that's certainly helpful. Uh, but anyway, what else about RMDs? It's important to look at what that number is going to be and think through whether you want to do some Roth conversions before you get there mm -hmm. so that that number is reduced. Because that RMD, when you have to take it out, when you have to pull it into your current taxable income in that year, it's going to impact your adjusted gross income. That's going to impact how Social Security is taxed. It's going to impact how your Medicare premiums are calculated. It will impact what rate you pay on capital gains. It will impact so many other things. So it has this, this cascading effect and impact. And if you have moved some money prior to that from your IRA into a Roth, go ahead and settle up on the taxes before then, you don't have to take an RMD from a Roth IRA ever. Right. It doesn't pull, it doesn't play into any of those calculations. And so if you don't need the funds and you were hoping to just let it you know, continue to grow, then to have moved it into that Roth IRA gives you a lot more control over your future taxation, having some money that's in the Roth as opposed to all in the IRA that's subject to this rule. Yeah, and you know we listed this as five reasons to do a Roth, but that could be kind of a hidden sixth, right? The word control you just used. Many people like yes. the fact of being able to have just more control over a situation, uh, and so that's a good point. And of course, the required minimum distributions, as you mentioned, they they have to, you have to do this. You have to start at a certain age, or seventy two is the age. Uh, so it's something you definitely got to factor into it because you don't want to just lump sum move everything because that's when you're talking about it could bump you into a higher tax bracket. So you need a strategy about this. You don't want to just do it willy-nilly, right? That's right. That's okay. right. Okay. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about another piece here on this, one of the five, uh, something called the IRMA. <laughs> I'll have you break this down for us a little bit. Uh, the re there's reduced Medicare in, what is IRMA? The Medicare IRMA, uh, and it's not like your Aunt IRMA, <laughs> uh, it stands for Income-Related Medicare adjustment amount. So okay. when you are of an age that you are taking, you're, you have a Medicare plan and you have the Part A, the Part B, the Part B, a supplement, Medicare has a scale, an income scale that they will use to calculate your Medicare premium. So if you're married filing jointly and you have 182000 or less in income, or you're a single and you have 91000 or less in income, then you have the basic Medicare cost. Okay. It used to be that everybody had the basic Medicare cost, no matter the income. But Medicare is underfunded, and so this is one way to raise some additional dollars. So mm -hmm. once you're even $1 over that amount, oh wow, you okay. hit the next bracket. So 91001 if you're single yes. and you're up. Okay. You, you hit the next bracket. And at the next bracket... It's about $1,000 more per person per year. Mm. And there are additional brackets as your income continues to go up. Okay. So one thing that happens is if you don't need the required minimum distribution, but you're forced to take it out and it pushes you up a bracket or two and your Medicare premium increases, you're getting the same Medicare health care at a higher cost mm. because you were forced to take your RMD out that you didn't really want to spend. You're just taking it out, moving it over to a different uh, bucket. And that does happen to people. Hmm. So by doing the Roth conversion, 
to pull that down, you're averaging out that tax over, t over your retirement years, but you're also helping to keep your health care costs at a lower rate. Yeah. So they're really kind of, you know, like a lot of things in the financial services world, they kind of spider web within each other, right? They're kind of yeah. one affects another. So we, we're talking about five reasons to do a Roth conversion on the podcast, uh, but you can kind of see how they play interplay with one another. So the tax is going up, redu reduced RMDs, uh, you know, reduced Medicare with the Irma. So all these things kind of playing together. So then uh, the next piece that kind of affects this is another tax. And that's something called the widow's tax. The widow's tax. And the widow's tax refers to the fact that a survivor mm -hmm. moves from a joint married filing tax brackets to the single tax brackets. Which is something we kind of forget, right? If you think about we've been married yes. or filing for 40 years as a couple and then one of us passes away and it's like, oh yeah, I, I'm getting knocked down a bracket. It's something that very few people have thought about until we're talking about right, it yeah. like this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not been a focus um, and it's not on anybody's radar, but it is something to think about long-term because one or the other spouse will likely outlive, right. uh, could live for you know, a number of years longer than, their, um, than, than the deceased spouse. And at that point in time, for the same amount of income, they're going to be paying Possibly significantly more in tax. Yeah, and, and the bracket widths are smaller, right? They're not as wide. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, they hit they hit each next bracket at a much lower level of income. Okay, the standard deduction is cut in half. Oh, yeah. They hit the net investment income tax at about half the income, so that's that additional three point eight percent for when it was originally put in place. We called it the Obamacare tax. You okay. may remember that. Mm -hmm. But that 3.8% net investment income tax, um, and like I said, at a, at a certain level of income, the survivor, the widow, will be paying, you know, maybe close to double the tax as on they the, were paying On the jointly. same income, if you think about it that way, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, yeah, that is a lot, and it definitely gets overlooked. So, like, if you were doing the, what was it, 96000 I think was our number before. So, it's the same whether you were, whether it was joint or now that you're a widow. Yeah. So, okay. 96000 of income, if if you're married filing jointly, you know, maybe that's about 7500 in income tax, the way, it, the way that it might be flowing through with Social Security and pension and right. uh, some IRA distributions. The survivor... The Social Security gets cut down. A little bit more has to come and be filled in from other from accounts, from distributions from accounts, and the tax could be say thirteen thousand five hundred. So same income, and the tax might have gone from seventy five hundred to thirteen thousand five hundred. I mean, six grand—that's a lot. They can make that's a, big a lot. Difference. That's yeah. a lot of difference. You know, it does depend on your specific income and how right. it flows through. So yeah. that's just one example uh, of a couple that had Social Security and pension and IRAs, but it can be significant. And doing the Roth conversions will allow the widow mm -hmm. to have more control over her tax situation or his tax situation if it's a widower so that there's some money to use to supplement income without creating additional tax and close that 
a little bit of that gap. Yeah, and that's a great point because if you do have some of these other things that are affecting you and you hadn't done a Roth conversion, then you could be subject to paying you know, more on, on keeping that in the traditional account, which again, today's topic is about some reasons why to consider doing Roth conversions. Uh, so the final one, number five here is, and it will kind of just tie it all back together, but uh, is the reduction for potential tax, I guess, for heirs, correct? Yes, and this this one is becoming a big focus. Um, the Secure Act changed the rules for heirs, so you know the spouse can still continue the IRA as as their own. That didn't change, but your children or your grandchildren now have new rules. It used to be that children and grandchildren could stretch the inherited IRA over their lifetime. So if somebody was 50 and inherited an IRA from their mom or dad, they would be able to stretch that out over, you know, a 30, 40 year life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spread the tax over a very long time. And, and it was a planning, it was a very good planning uh, strategy to stretch it as long as possible and let it then continue to grandkids sure. to stretch and, and, uh, but now it has to be taken out within 10 years. Well, do you think about, Liz, for a lot of us, like if we left, to your example, left a million dollars to one of our kids, um, and you know we had a regular life expectancy, there's a good chance we're leaving them this when they're probably close to their peak earning years as well, which winds yeah. up you know, really kind of you know, pushing the whole tax conversation even more, right? It does. Uh, and, and when this was passed... The Joint Committee on Taxation said that it would pull in $15.7 billion additional dollars from 2020 through 2029. Wow. So that's how much additional tax dollars they're anticipating from this change. But if we look at an example, and we'll just say this is Belinda, age 45, okay. uh, inherits a million from her mom. Under the old rules at age 45, she would have been required to take out roughly 25000 that year, okay. that first distribution. Right. Under the new rules, she has to take it out within 10 years. She's working. She's got an excellent job. She's got RSUs. She's got bonuses, all sorts of income that she's already trying to manage mm-hmm. and manage her tax cost. And if she's going to take that million dollars plus the growth kind of evenly over that 10-year period, then she would need to take about 123000 So that's a significant increase in the amount that she would have to take. And she could certainly, if her mom was not already taking distributions, she could uh, stretch that out uh, over, you know, wait and take a bigger lump sum towards the end. Mm-hmm. But then she just has a even bigger tax in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty hefty. That's a that's a hefty change there. And there's definitely some rules differences here. You know, for your example, just for folks listening, that obviously this was about leaving it to an heir. It's different if you're leaving that million dollar account to your spouse. There's spousal uh, rules, yes. and then there's non-spousal rules. Uh, so there's definitely uh, some more. Look, the, they don't make it easy, right? <laughs> there's a lot of nuance right, in there. Right. The the spouse can continue the IRA and continue the Roth conversion plan mm-hmm. as if they had always had that IRA as their own. But going back to the spouse, the spouse would want to avoid the widow's tax. They would want to avoid having their Medicare premiums increase. There's a whole lot of reasons that the Roth IRA absolutely benefits the spouse. And then beyond that, it benefits 
the the children. So yeah. it benefits the couple during their lifetime because the, if they're going to have the same tax bracket or a higher tax bracket in the future, then by getting some converted to Roth, maybe not all, but it, some converted to Roth, they can control their future RMDs. They can reduce their future health care costs. They can reduce that widow's tax when first one of them passes away. And then whatever is left at the end is much more tax efficient for their children or their grandchildren, whoever might be inheriting that. Yeah. No, well, a great conversation for sure to talk about five reasons to consider uh, why to do a Roth conversion. Certainly, and as I said before, they kind of all link together. So I'm really curious now, seeing all the kind of the, the highlights of this, uh, five reasons maybe not to. So that's going to be the next podcast. So we'll talk about that. So that's got me really intrigued about uh, what some of those could be. And so as always, if you've got some questions, folks, you need some help, make sure, because it gets kind of sticky, at least to us anyway, because we don't do this every day like Liz does. So if you've got questions and you need help, definitely make sure you're checking with a qualified professional like Liz. You can, again, find her online at her website at bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're just getting started here with our episodes, but we'll have more coming. So that way you can catch future episodes as, as well as check out some past episodes and so on and so forth, because you want to make sure that you're getting yourself onto the best possible path for retirement. Liz, thanks for hanging out and explaining some of this and chatting with me. It was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the next one, as I mentioned. Well, I am too, Mark. And I'd like to say to everybody, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to us because we are here to help you be on your best path for retirement. And we'll see you next time right here on the podcast, Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whitteberry. The preceding program is sponsored by Best Path Advisors, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. Best Path Advisors, J.W. Cole Financial, and J.W. Cole Advisors are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by Liz Whitberry should not be construed as specific tax, legal, or investment advice, nor as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Neither J.W. Cole Financial nor its representatives provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W. Cole. Investing is subject to risks, including the loss of principal. Due to volatility within the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed.